Mini episode 279 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.info. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another great joint production of the FDH Lounge and Sportsology. FDH Lounge mini-episode number 279. Be precise, this is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris. We're here once again with my good friend, the proprietor of Sportsology, Russ Cullen, the man who covers the NHL entry draft like none other. And we're here to get the thoughts on last weekend's event from Russ. Russ, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Good, Rick. we got uh, plenty to get to uh, with this, with the start of NHL uh, free agency as well. But, uh, again, I know that uh, you are very much... Uh, uh, on top of everything that happened, you were there covering it uh, personally, as is always the case. And uh, just, uh, I guess, we'll just start in general sense. Your thoughts about uh, being there? Uh, it was, uh, fortunately for you, uh, less of a travel than you've had to make uh, in some other years. But uh, it, it, there were a lot of uh, surprises, it seems like. Maybe not necessarily at the top of the draft, but overall, uh, it seemed to be a very interesting event from afar. Yeah, quite a few surprises. Definitely uh an exhausting and tiring day. Did some radio work there too, besides doing the normal draft stuff. So quite a bit. It was squeezed into a few days, but that one day became very hectic. Yeah, there were definitely some surprises. Surprises at the top, surprises in the middle, surprises at the bottom. You know, I think the um, the lay of the land has certainly changed with the way the salary cap is now as to how teams draft. So. I think we're all still getting used to that, and and we're not quite there yet. Yeah, it is an interesting transitional period as teams are settling into the uh, the new CBA, uh, trying to get accustomed to it. Uh, something that was uh, not uh, necessarily a surprise: Colorado passing on the hometown boy at the very top, Seth Jones. You in our uh, Pro Hockey Draftology two thousand thirteen draft guide that folks can get at Sportsology or at FantasyDraftHelp.com. You had said in there uh, when you had written your piece on the top 30 uh, that you mm-hmm. had him rated as the top prospect. Uh, you rated mm-hmm. him as a potential top five player in the league. So mm-hmm. under the circumstances, it would seem like I mean, it's got to be hard to pass on Seth Jones, but uh, according to your words, if I'm reading it right, more than justifiable. Yeah, more than justifiable. Uh, it was just one of those things where I'll tell you the that list that you have, and I even went up to a version six, so even – I had one after that. That is just who I would put in those spots, who I think belongs sure. there. has nothing to do with the mock, right, because I did a mock for Comcast, too. The funny thing about the exactly. mock for Com- for Comcast was I still have McKinnon number one, and this was before Joe Sackick said anything, and you know, two people said, hey, get off the crack pipe, and one guy said, I'll bet my house that Seth Jones will be an Av. And then about six, seven hours later, Joe Sackick said, well, we don't really have much interest in Seth Jones. We have more interest in the other three forwards. So it just goes to show you, and I'm not like tooting my horn, it just shows you that you could post something like that, get people to say, oh, you're completely wrong, and then you could be completely right the next day. It just shows you how loopy it is. Uh, exactly. And uh, I can I can say personally, uh, as, as a Cavs fan, 
Uh, there was a tremendous amount of the same kind of intrigue at the top of the, uh, the NBA draft, albeit Anthony Bennett, a little bit less of a sure thing. Uh, it seems like then uh, Nathan McKinnon. If you're saying potential mm-hmm. top five player in the league, then that must be the whole package, right? The ability to go both ways, soft hands, everything you want in a center. Yeah, he's really everything you want. I, I expect that he'll get a little bigger, stronger. I, if he's not top five, he'll be top fifteen for sure. I, I just, I look at him and I say the sky's the limit, and I'm sure Joe Sakic saw the same thing, and and probably saw a little of himself in him. So at the end of the day. I always think you take the guy who could get 100 points for you rather than the defenseman who really at his best in this era, what's he going to get, 50 points? And even if he's still a shutdown guy, that's valuable. But the other guy's a little more valuable because he might put up a couple of points a game. Well, Seth Jones not going one, not necessarily a huge surprise, although, as you said, I guess it was a surprise to a lot of people. The fact that he goes to four, this is what I Mm -hmm. find very, very interesting because Mm -hmm. you and I had talked before the draft about the amount of mainstream attention uh, that was that was coming the way after all this kid being Popeye Junior, uh, mm-hmm. somebody who's a real son of the South as far as the uh, the NHL's uh, Southern expansion. So, what comes into it with teams two and three? I'm thinking particularly Florida, which is a real nothing happening type franchise, to pass on a kid like this. I understand that it's not going to be just based on the marketing, but clearly for teams two and three, marketing didn't even come close on this as far as a hockey decision goes because there's no more, there, there couldn't possibly be a, a bigger no-brainer marketing-wise than taking Seth Jones. Well, for, for Florida, they wanted somebody who could play right away. And mm-hmm. we didn't know that until draft day. Matter of fact, the day before the draft, I was at a press conference for USA Hockey where they were announcing the coaches for the Olympic team and one of and the GM was announced, and it's David Poyle of Nashville. And he, at some point, had to introduce Dale Talon. He goes, and now I'm introducing the guy who's going to take Seth Jones in the draft tomorrow. And <laughs> Dale Talon was stone faced to it. And Poyle actually is the guy that drafted him. So if you go to Sportsology, you can see there's a funny um, recording that I put up there, a video of of that, and David Poyle explaining that man, maybe he was trying to work a little mind game, and he's not sure if it worked. But Florida wanted a guy who was ready, and I did say a lot of times that people were sort of ignoring Barkov, even though he's ready-made. Like he's he's six three, he's two oh nine. He his dad's a coach. He led his team in scoring. He even brought Billy Neiman in along with him, and actually he didn't lead his team in scoring. Neiman won by like two points, and he wanted to lead his team in scoring. So that was his best friend on his team, his mentor. He guy played in the NHL. He was a good player. For a guy who's 17, I'd never seen a guy score 20-something goals against men like that in his first year and almost lead his team in scoring. So he, he's something special. He's a two-way player, and, and Florida wanted to get somebody in there right away. That's really where that was at for them. Interesting, because uh, it will make sense on that basis, because, again, they, they certainly need immediate help, uh, and if they think they can get it from him, it would uh, tell you all you needed to know, I suppose, about that. When you're looking at uh, guys from your list, and again, as you said, it was your assessment in terms of looking at them versus where they actually went. Uh, there were some guys that went uh, perhaps uh, a little bit uh, higher or lower uh, than you might have expected. I'll give you a couple of the names here, and uh, hopefully my pronunciations aren't going to be too bad. Of, of the ones yep. that seem to go higher than you might have thought, perhaps, Daniel Nurse, Bo Holt, Corvette. Sam Warren, Max Domi, Josh Morrissey, Alexander Wenberg. Any any of those mm-hmm. guys strike you as uh, particularly odd in where they went? Well, Wenberg got a lot of 
a lot of attention late. He became a very safe pick. He he had won some medals with with Sweden in the World Juniors and other international competition. A good two way player. I think they just teams became enamored with him. So I wasn't totally shocked. I just didn't think he was in my top 30. Morrissey at times was in my top 30. If you go back on Sportsology, you'll see he was in there. He wasn't in there. So I could see where teams liked him, and I knew at some point probably would be a couple of guys, offensive-type defensemen, that would get a, a little bit more attention because as those guaranteed offensive defensemen got off the board, teams were sort of going to have to roll the dice a little on, on guys like that. And Nurse... You know, I basically knew he could go anywhere from 7 to 11. I I think he's an excellent athlete. I don't think he's a great all-around defenseman. I think he's a really solid defenseman. So I think it's one of those situations where, and, and I ended up ranking him 12th overall, and I'm, and I'm still comfortable with that. However, on Comcast, when they asked me for an article on trade scenarios, I said that, I could see him falling to the Flyers, but I could also see Edmonton taking him. So if the Flyers really did want him, they'd have to trade up with Edmonton, and that's another possible scenario, and that actually happened. So, you know, you never know. You're you're guessing, but so I, I, I sort of half-guessed that. <laughs> well, yeah, no, good analysis as always, uh, to, to be sure. Uh, guys that uh, might have gone a little lower than you would have thought, we always talk about this at fantasydrafthealth.com, mm-hmm. the value guys here. The list that I had compiled uh, from looking at your list, Ryan Pulak, Warren yep. Dauphin, uh, Adam Ernie, uh, Valentin Zykoff, Connor Hurley, Jason Hickinson, and Robert Hag. Yeah, Dickinson I still think is going to be a hell of a player, and I think right now what you're seeing isn't what you're going to see at the end because he's sort of a skinny kid, but he, he plays a great game. Dolphin ended up at 30 on my list, and I know he went further down, but I still think I'm going to be right about him in the end because I really do like his his offensive potential and his adaptability. Uh, who else did we mention there? Uh mentioned uh, Adam Ernie. Uh, I'm probably Adam mispronouncing Ernie. that. With, yeah, it's Ernie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Valentin Zykoff as well. Yeah, so. Zykoff may have been the steal of the draft for the Kings. I don't know. Shane, who I do the show with for XM, doesn't know. The Kings got a hell of a player there. He he, he could be a 30-goal scorer every year in the NHL, and a lot of teams passed on him. So that went on on Stan. Earn was a guy that some people really liked and some people didn't. Some people had sort of worried about his work ethic a bit. I never did. I still like him where I had him, which was 10th. I think he's going to be an NHLer, and I think – I think he'll prove me right in the end. But right now, hey, you know, he got drafted there, and we'll have to see what happens. Feel the draft for the Kings. That's just what the rest of the league wants to hear. The rich get richer, uh, (laughs) I suppose. Uh, Well, and that's a natural point of transition. Uh, A lot of people say that it's early. I say those people are wimps. You can always say winners and losers at this point on the way, even if it's tentative. So just what strikes you thus far? Uh, Winners and losers, teams that you were impressed with as far as the value that they got, maybe even beyond the first round. But uh, how do you see it uh, shaping up? And I'm generally a wimp, too, because it does take three to five years. (laughs) I I could tell you, though, that teams, yeah, that I liked what they did. Certainly the Kings... Just with that pick alone was was really solid. I liked what Columbus did. I, I really, you know, they okay. they they went and they um they got Wenberg. They I'm looking at their list here. They got Marco Dano. Now they got him earlier than I expected to, but 
this is a guy who might even be able to play in the NHL right away because he's been playing against men and he's gotten stronger and he's, he's a good all-around player and he has a nose for the net. They also got Kirby Reichel, who is Warren Reichel's kid. I interviewed him. There's an interview on Sportsology. There was an interview in the guide with him. And and this is a kid who's physically ready to play in the NHL. He's probably a couple of years away otherwise. But, again, really tough crease presence. So I like what they did. Certainly I like what the Islanders did. I think Ryan Pulak is a guy that a few teams shied away from because his shot is so good and such a pro shot that they were thinking, well, we don't like his skating that much and we don't like that. You know, they all of a sudden they're, they're finding other things to – to, have, to be wrong with him and where I don't think they really exist. So I think that's a hell of a pick for them. I think he's going to be a top power play guy and, and a really good defenseman, not a great defenseman, but a really excellent offensive defenseman. So I thought that was good. I thought Dallas getting the Kushkin was very good because apparently he wants to play in the NHL this year. We'll see if he can do it. That could be a hell of a pick for them. Could end up being one of the better picks in the draft if it works out. You know, the um, the Sam Warren pick is an interesting one for the Flyers because a lot of people had him in second round, too. I had him, you know, in my head early in the second round, and I could see why they would want him. He's a good shutdown guy. He skates well. He is very strong. You know, when you hear the pronger stuff, you you, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Kids get excited. We're not sure. going to call him Chris Pronger. But, but I felt like there was a little more value there for the Flyers, but it wasn't a bad pick. It was a good pick. Phoenix getting Max Domi was a hell of a pick. Getting him at 12, I, I really thought Domi had worked his way up really into a hell of a player this year and was very impressive. He wasn't even on my list early on. And then on a mock, I had him in top 10, but that was on a mock. In my list, I had him at 17. So, okay. And anywhere, we, we generally say if you get a guy within five spots, that's – that's a hit because you never know what teams are going to do or what's going to happen to change a pick. So he certainly was within the range I had him, and, and he's a good kid, and nothing bothers him. And, and he was like the third highest scorer in the OHL last year in the playoffs. So that was unexpected. He said it was luck, and, of course, I don't believe him. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't believe that either. But, uh, but, but before we uh, before we hit some of the other things happening right now with the NHL, uh, let's let's while, while it's uppermost in my mind here, hit the plugs. Of course, again, the stuff can all be found at the coverage, the ongoing coverage at Sportsology, Pro Hockey Draftology 2013 at Sportsology and at FantasyDraftHelp.com. Also links at the FBHLounge.com. As well as that, again, uh, the XM show uh, that's on on the weekends. Uh, let let the peeps know where they can find that. Yeah, the XM show go best place is um, go to TSN 1050 and go to iTunes, and you can see all of our back shows there. And also, you know, always check me out at uh, Amazon. You can check out my latest book, which is the Winter Classic, which I'm sure will be a big focus again later this year, but you can certainly get a good summer reading. And I'm working on a baseball book now, which will be out in September, called Baseball's Best Rookie. So we're getting real close on that, handed it in today. So that's another one. Funny story, true story. Uh, when I saw your author profile the other day uh, pop up on Facebook, I, I clicked onto it. And I'm reading the Amazon profile. Like, oh, baseball book coming out. You had sent me something a couple months back, and I was unclear that that was what that was for. Wow, Russ has been working on a book this whole time. You are very prolific, my friend. You can get something done without your friends even necessarily realizing it. Yeah, and you helped me with it, and actually you, you ended up in the acknowledgments as a result because I sort of used you as a test study. 
Oh, oh, well, thank you. That's that's nice to find out. Much less in real time here. That's that's really cool. Uh, <laughs> as far as some of the uh, the more established players in the NHL, I mean, there's there's one mm-hmm. point of transition while we're talking about the NHL draft, and that being uh, the New Jersey Devils sort of getting an established player with their ninth pick, I guess you could say, because it came in the form of a trade with Vancouver. Corey Schneider, mm-hmm. really interesting move. How does that play into the future of Martin Brodeur? And, and potentially into uh, Vancouver, where it's already uh, unclear as to whether or not Luongo wants to stick around. Which, by the way, side note, I think he'd be crazy not to, because who else is going to pay him that kind of money? Well, at this point, nobody, so he's going to have to stick around. Uh, Brodeur was interesting. It was one of the last picks of the night where his son got taken, and I was just happened to be hanging around the XM booth. We were getting ready to leave, and so I waited around for that, and I listened to him, and he, he certainly asked the answered the question, meaning he'll have to play his best, and when he's ready to go, Corey will be there, and he said all the right things. It, this will help push him this year, and then after this year, that'll be it. Corey Schneider will be oh, the guy. Okay. Um, I believe that the Devils have had their eye on Schneider for two years. Shane Malloy, the guy who I do my XM show with, covers the Vancouver Canucks. He told me a year ago he could see this happening, and, and I agreed with him because the Devils do like going for college goalies. Um Lou Lamorello scouts college very well. He used to be at Providence. So all those things make sense. Then all of a sudden they wanted to deal Luongo, and Schneider was their guy, so that that sort of got tabled. And then it started up again before the draft, and you knew it would be Schneider over Luongo because he was a guy with his salary could get dealt. And I think he's only making $3.75 million for, for a couple more years, so that's a pretty reasonable rate. That certainly is, yeah. That's that's great uh, uh, pay for for a goalie like him. If you're a team, you're lucky. That's all you got to pay him for right now. Uh, but before getting to the start of a free agency, I have to tell you another side note, which is very interesting, and this also pertains to Facebook. Uh, as I saw you commenting on the uh, Claude Giroux uh, contract extension, eight years, sixty-six point mm-hmm. two million for Philadelphia, mentioning that to another fellow in the 21st century media lines today, our good friend Platinum Smalls. Who agreed with you? Uh, and and I, I said, this is fascinating because not until the last 24 hours have I gotten any inkling that people have any doubts whatsoever that Claude Giroux is, is one of the top players in the league right now, hands down a franchise player, hands down future Hall of Famer first ballot if he stays healthy. <laughs> and here you guys are. So this is very interesting. I've heard this from two different people in the last 24 hours. So please elaborate a little bit. Your thoughts on Giroux, the, the contract extension, and the fact that you feel that, and again, Philly's got cap issues, and I understand that, and there's the question yeah. of wisdom on their part. But the question of whether or not he's worth it is something I wouldn't even have thought the question until I talked to you guys. Well, I don't think he's worth it today. I do think he's a franchise player. I do think he's a great player. Uh, is he a top ten player in the league? I don't think so yet. And I think he's getting paid like one. So I think that is really just what my issue is, and I would have – giving them a little less, a little bit more on the back end. Uh, I brought up guys that I I felt like were all better than he is and were making less money. Like, you know, obviously Malcolm and Crosby, they're sort of rotating on the Pittsburgh cab. One makes 8.7 one year, one makes 9.5 the next year. That's fine. They're in a different stratosphere, so I get that. But as an example, I used – Pavel Datsuk, he just signed a three-year, $23 million deal. And, of course, somebody snaps back and says, but he's 39. And I'm like, yeah, but he had more points. <laughs> so whether he's yeah. 39 or not, and he's getting paid a little less, he actually was m- more prolific, even if it was just two more points. 
especially at his age. So that's basically my point. I brought up him, I brought up Joe Thornton, and I brought up, I'm trying to find it, it was somebody else, and and, and basically I felt like he wasn't quite at that level yet. Could he be? Yeah, he definitely could be. But I say when you're paying a guy that much, oh, Stamkos is making eight, so he's making more than Steve Stamkos. Is he better than Stamkos? Is he better than Henrik Sedin, who's making 6.1? Thornton's making seven, even though I'm not the biggest Thornton fan. I think he's still been a really top-notch guy in the league. Is he better than him? I don't think he's better. Do you think he's better than any of those four yet? Uh, yeah, well, on, on the slope of, of the careers of Sedin and Thornton, yeah, I, I, w- I think so. Gatsuk is a closer call, and again, I'm a Wings homer, but honestly, between the two, if, if you're telling me who I'm going to have for next year, I still think I'd take Chirot, which certainly shows okay. how objective I am. So, no, no, no uh, question, and and I think it's close in that regard, but let's remember, through Four years ago, Henrik Sedin had 112 points. Giroud never had 100 points. Then he had 94. True. Then he had 81. Last year, he had 45. So basically, he had two less points than Giroud, and Giroud is making a couple million more. I get it. There's a difference in age. I understand that. It's not that great a difference. I mean, Sedin's 32. Certainly, he's older by like four, seven, eight years. But I just bring up those names because I don't think he's hit that level yet. If he hits that level, I have no problem with it. I do think he's a franchise guy, but I, like I said, I would have given him a little less. Okay. All right. No, those are those are very interesting, very salient points. I just wanted to hear you uh, talk about that a little bit more because uh, I'm sure people will find uh, the divide between us a little interesting on that. Uh, mm-hmm. So moves today with uh, the beginning of free agency. Uh, I, of course, very psyched uh, my Detroit Red Wings uh, bringing Daniel Alfredson uh, up there. Uh, same thing also. Uh, with uh, getting getting Weiss to play center there as well. Other big moves on the day, Bobby Ryan by a trade to Ottawa, mm-hmm. as they don't even blink after the Albertson thing. Nathan Horton to Columbus, they, they colossally paid for him. Uh, David Clarkson to Toronto. Valtteri Filippola to Tampa Bay, as uh, Iserman raids the Red Wings there, and I think grossly overpays Filippola. Ryan Clode to New Jersey, does. Mike Ribeiro to Phoenix. Uh, your, your thoughts on some of the winners and losers of day one of free agency? You know, Ribeiro to Phoenix, I, I understand why Phoenix got him. I, I know he scores points, and, and he's a, a creative. A lot of money for guy his age. <laughs> it's really a lot of money for him. And, you know, we hear things that, you know, maybe he's a good teammate, maybe he isn't. I, I've spoken to the guy. I think he's a good guy, but I do think he has an ego. And I do think he's a you know, an okay two-way player, but mainly a one-way player. And mm-hmm. his point production, yeah, it's it's. It was good. I mean, he's more than a point a game. Uh, but he, he also, what, what age are we talking about? We're talking about 33. So, you know, he's at that point where two years ago he, he was on pace probably to get 65 points. So, I mean, he can still get 65 points. In the playoffs, what did he do? He got two points. You know, mm-hmm. I, that's where the divide is for me, and, and that's why I wouldn't give him as much. Uh, I liked the Red Wings getting Alfredson, certainly you can't lose for a year. I felt bad for the people of Ottawa who really thought he was coming back. I have to think Henrik Zetterberg played a big part in this and yeah. maybe getting him to feel like they could win a cup if they had him. I get that. And Jimmy Howard certainly had a really good year. And if you see Corey Crawford win a cup, there's no reason you can't envision Jimmy Howard doing it. So I wouldn't say there's any difference there. So, I can see that. Now, I will tell you, I think Ottawa then panicked, and because fans were upset that 
Alfredson was gone, and they were basically threatening to cancel season ticket packages. They went out, and they way overpaid for, for Bobby Ryan. I mean, they gave up Silverberg, Silverberg, who really is a solid player and could be a first or second guy in the future. They they got Stefan Nosen, who could be a probably a really good third-line guy, maybe a second-line guy in the future, but definitely a third and a first-round pick. That's an awful lot, mm-hmm. considering Ryan had 30 points in 46 games last year. year before, he had 57 points in 82 games. He gets goals. I get it. But even those have been going down, 31, 35, 34, 31 last year. So 11 in 46 games. If I double it, it's 22 in in 82 games. So, you know, that's four points in seven playoff games. He's a one-dimensional offensive player. I like the guy. I think – and he does elbow you in the corners. So he has toughness. I think that's just way too much. He, he's getting paid. He keeps getting paid and keeps getting treated like – what he was once thought to be. I mean, he's sort of like Javier Vasquez from 10 years ago. You're paying for what you think you're going to get out of him eventually. You know, yeah, I mean, but just you as an example. What you see is what you get. Yeah, just as an example. I mean, Silverberg had 10 goals in this shortened season, his first pro season. Ryan right. had 11. Silverberg had four points in 10 playoff games, and Ryan had, what would I say, four and seven? So, yeah, I mean. It's not that great of a difference already. I understand there's a difference. So today, yes, Bobby Ryan is a lot better than Silverberg. In the future, he'll be marginally better than him, but no way will he exceed that trade because I watched Nosen in Olympic camp, and I've seen him play in Plymouth, and he's really good. I mean, this this guy is going to be an NHLer. And then the first-round pick, I mean, we're conceivably talking about three players for this one guy. So you can't tell me they didn't overpay for him. Yeah, a flashy move for, for Ottawa, but you're pointing out the holes in it, and I, I certainly understand that. Uh, we, we can't bring this segment all the way full circle without getting into another move. And we're talking about young blue-chip guys. Who exemplifies that in the league more than uh, Tyler Sagan these days? The big blockbuster deal with Dallas, Louis Erickson, uh, the, the big part of the package deal going back to uh, Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Nill. Uh, former guardian of the Euro pipeline for my Detroit Red Wings, uh, now making mm-hmm. some aggressive moves in his maiden year on the job in Dallas. What What are your yep. thoughts on that? The, the off-ice things that may have played a part in this, now Tyler Sagan's mom has, has taken issue with the Boston media and possibly even the GM for leaking some things about him. Looks like a big mess, but what are your thoughts on and off the ice about the, the components of this blockbuster? You know, my my real honest thought right away was it's a pretty even trade. I mean, mm-hmm. Erickson's a hell of a player. Sagan is still rising, but a hell of a player. The um, I'm trying to think who the other players are in this. I, I have to look it up. I, I remember commenting on it, but I, I really I'll felt like it, it, yeah. it was pretty fair. I mean, this was this was a deal that I think Nil had wanted to make, and I think Boston had to make. I think Boston could see the writing on the wall, not being able to sign this kid also in the future. And he, you know, he didn't play every game in the Stanley Cup. I mean, there were days, he games he didn't play, and I didn't get it. I was wondering why wasn't he playing. So that was a bit of a surprise for me. So I thought, you know what, just help both teams. I did. It does. It does. It, now, do you give any credence to uh, the Toronto fans that are saying, hey, we're breathing a little bit easier about that, the Phil Kessel deal? 
Uh, the fact no. that uh, they don't have to look at the Sagan playing in Boston. Okay, so not even on an no, emotional they still basis. Turned it really into, no, because they still turned it into this. I mean, it, it's not like the one doesn't – it just doesn't get erased. I mean, that's the thing. You can't erase it. So I, I, I would have to disagree with that. I, I think considering that people knew that Boston was unhappy with Sagan – that he would get dealt. So I think ultimately, yeah, Boston, here's what happened. So the Bruins got Erickson. They got Riley Smith, who played all his years in college, played a little bit in Dallas last year. I think he could be a good third liner. Matt Frazier, who knows? Um, Joe Morrow's a real good defensive prospect. He's not going to really give you much offense, but he's very physical, excellent, good skating mobile defenseman. So that's valuable these days. We know how much... It's valuable. Those kinds of defensemen now are at a premium, even if you don't score a lot. So you know what? They did okay for themselves. They really did. And Rich Peverly, really good player. I think he's starting to go downhill a little bit. He still will help a team like Dallas because, look, you put him on the fourth line, he's always going to be valuable. He plays very tough. But, uh, you know, again, I think he's been a little banged up. Same with Nathan Horton. I think Boston was willing to divest of Nathan Horton because – you know, he's already had this shoulder injury this year. He's gotten hurt a couple of years ago with concussions. So, you know, I think these are shrewd moves by the uh, Bruins. I do. Uh, Boston's got to pay for two Rask. I mean, the finances come into yeah. it as well with the, uh, the cap situation. Well, and again, I, there, there are times when I get accused by more practical people of maybe being too infatuated with ceiling. But be that as it may, you look at Tyler Sagan's ceiling and what he might possibly do in Dallas. What do you think the odds are? that he's going to surpass the baseline that Louis Erickson's already established. I I think I think he can. I think it could happen in a year or two. But again, I think Erickson has really, you know, made himself an all-star in the league. I don't think any of us really thought that he would be that and he is and he was. And so I think he's been a pretty impressive guy. I mean, we look at his age He's 27, so it's not like he's too old. He plays a great mm-hmm. two-way game, really great. Two years ago, he had 71 points. Three years in a row running, he had 70, 71 points with 29, 27, 26 goals. I think Sagan can only go slightly past that. And okay. In the in the strike sort in, in the lockout season, he had 29 points in 48 games, 12 goals on a you know pretty lousy team. So I think again, Erickson will will always be a good player, always be an all-star. Well, he's going to be a big favorite up in Boston, too. I mean, his his yeah. style of play really meshes well with what the fans like up there, won't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, there's no question. And he's a little bigger, and he plays a little – I mean, Sagan plays pretty physical, too. I mean, we saw Sagan knock some guys down in the Stanley Cup, so I can't say he mm-hmm. doesn't play physical either. So I, I think it's it's a trade that, like I said, Boston had to get out from under a little bit. Dallas had an opportunity to pick up a potential franchise player. You do it. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, not surprisingly, uh, Jim Nell is, is going to the uh, you know go big or go home philosophy uh, down there in uh, Big D, mm-hmm. and we'll have to see what kind of dividends it pays. But uh, yeah, I, I know. Again, you've been on top of all of the uh, the coverage of uh, the NHL entry draft, the off season at uh, Sportsology. Uh, any other uh, major projects uh, coming up on the site? No other major projects right this minute, but I, I, I think it's – I have to mention that there were 63 signings today for $411,900,000. Wow. 
Wow. But, uh, can, <laughs> all you can, can say is already, wow. Can, can we already envision the next lockout? Is that on the horizon? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's ten years down. Well, nine nine years down the line, but. Um, so we'll try not to think about it, but that's an awful lot of money being spent. So we'll have to see how these teams do. And, again, cap is everything, right? So the cap's gone down. Teams are still spending. Well, and I can say uh, selfishly from my perspective, uh, Ken Holland back in the game after like a good three, four years of hibernation. So certainly that contributes to it as well whenever you have the Detroit Red Wings out there trying to make things happen. That's going to make it a more competitive financial market all the way around. So, have to no see question. how uh, everything plays out, but uh, always uh, great fun to uh, cover the stuff uh, and to uh, to follow how it's being covered at uh, Sportsology. Uh, Russ, as always, thanks very much, my friend. Great doing this with you. Thanks, Rick. Always a pleasure. As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, All Clear Channel Affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, IAmBoard.com, Billboard.com, Google.com, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio. Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse and the Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements. 